Here it's January 10th, and I am host alongside with Jonathan Sullivan, Zachary Lacey, and Ryan Brown, of course. And we have uh, some devastating Patriots news uh, that we have to react to, and the rest of Wild Card Weekend, and a look at the divisional round as well. And we're going to do our best of the decade, our favorite moments from each sport over the last 10 years. And now they're in 2020, it only makes sense. So, to start off, the Patriots lose on Saturday evening, this last Saturday evening, to the Tennessee Titans at home. Back-to-back losses. They lose their first wildcard game and their first one that they were included in in a decade, since 09. So, tough loss. Honestly, I don't think any of us are really shocked how that went. Uh, I don't think we expected them to lose to the Titans, but they weren't going all the way. And, you know, I still had some hope that maybe they could make a run, but the way it ended, I'm not shocked. And frankly... I'm quite disappointed in just the overall play. I mean, it just seemed like once they got to that second half and things weren't going their way, it, you just could tell it was not their day. And the way that Tennessee was running the ball, uh, Patriots could not stop Derrick Henry to save their life. I mean, it was atrocious. And Tannehill didn't even do a whole lot. He made one or two throws at the end that helped them convert to sort of finish off the game. But guys, initial thoughts on the ending of this season? I mean, embarrassing that you lose at home to the Titans. I mean, I bet on the Titans. I <laughs> Flex. No, plus the points. So I thought, I thought that the Pats would pull out like a really close, like Nick Fogg hit a field goal to win the game type of thing. But overall, it's just, an, just a tough season, man. I mean, the offense was just never there. And like the defense was supposed to be this all-time great thing. And Ryan called it out from week seven on it was like we want to see someone do it against somebody good and they couldn't stop the run that was yeah. it once the ravens game hit i just said okay is is this is this could this be a possible thing uh could this be the future could this be a, a sign of things to come and i wish i was wrong i wish they had been able to stop a good offense but every time they faced a good offense the defense wasn't able to keep up their historic levels you're not expecting them to do so but it they couldn't even get key stops when they needed to. And even in this game, yes, you let up 20 points and only and only four, 13, realistic, 14, uh, realistically, because the pick six at the end is not on the defense. But they let up 180 yards on the ground to Derrick Henry. He just ran wild. Tannehill, did he even have 100 yards passing? Uh, he had like 50 when he threw that pick. So I I think he finished with like, like 74 yeah, like 80 like yards. Something, something like, like ridiculous. That. He did absolutely nothing. We lost to Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans O-line and that's just that just speaks volumes into how overrated the the Pats re- and inflated the Pats record was. I, I it's you just 12 and 4, you should be like one of the top tier teams in the league and it was just very evident in the wild card game, that that was just not the case. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really come to surprise to me that they lost. I mean, you were going up against Derrick Henry, who was the best, you know, rusher in the league. He won the rushing um, crown, crown, yeah, for scrimmage yards rushing the ball. Um, and then you were facing a defense that was susceptible to the run all season. Ryan 
said a great a few minutes ago. Started with the Ravens game. They're getting shelled even against the you know Cleveland. They got shelled by Nick Chubb. And, you know, they just faced a, a guy that they simply just couldn't stop. And Derrick Henry was literally the whole Titans team. It was disappointing. I thought that, you know, normally the Patriots try to take away your best weapon. And I would have expected them to, you know, load the box and try to make Tannehill beat him. And that wasn't the case because this team, it was just different than the Patriots teams in the past couple of years. This was finally the year where all the, you know, the pundits and the haters saying, this team's different, this team's different. In the past couple years, that hasn't been true, but this year, that was the case. This team was different than last than the last few years' Patriots teams, and they just weren't as good. It's just as simple as that. They they really were not a good football team this year. Yeah, and I would say, along with their defense being, you know, sort of fraudulent in some ways of being like an all-time defense, they're also pretty sure they're uh, the oldest defense in all of the NFL, and that clearly showed. I mean, you start off 8-0, and yeah, you were playing some cream puff teams, but yeah, the competition got harder. They weren't able to make plays when they absolutely needed to, both offensively and defensively. And I think their age overall showed is that their best players right now, overall, yeah, they're still good. I'm not saying you know they're mediocre, average, or anything. High tower, I'd still take them any day of the week. But they're all you know sort of a bit past their prime or just over the hump of their true prime. And you know guys like that, like High Tower, have had. Uh, a lengthy injury history and yeah he's been good the last few years with his health but that defense's age totally showed four and four to finish off the year it was kind of reminiscent of 2015 when they dropped uh, four of their last six I believe it was the pooch kick year with the Eagles and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick beating us as well to end that season Uh, they finished I believe yeah it was uh, two and four to finish that year in 2015 they lost to the Broncos in the AFC title game and it kind of felt like that year, this year, to end it. And the way Brady ended his year, I mean, throwing a pick six in what could be his last throw as a Patriot or an NFL player, pretty pretty disheartening, to say the very least. When that happened, I just I just wanted to walk away and stop playing. I mean, that was terrible. Yeah, you almost did. Yeah. I, you literally I, got out of your seat and yeah. almost left the room. I, I was just so, like, really? He's going to have, like, a Farvian type of send off, you know, with his play in that manner. And he had statistically, you know, one of the worst seasons as any NFL quarterback in the league starting-wise anyways. And we all know that's not him. We all know he was banged up a bit with his elbow. He obviously had a foot issue that came to fruition in, in the last few weeks where he was wearing those weird, like, therapeutic cleats. And, yeah, I just think he needs more help around him. If he does come back, you know, I just hope and pray. I mean, I, I mean, I know Stedham took a lot of the first team reps this year, but I, I hope they do everything they can to keep Brady. And I don't want to see that as the last act because I still think if they retool, bring in another guy, maybe make it another trade or two, maybe get him a decent tight end because it clearly showed they were, I believe they were close to the bottom, if not last in the league in targeting tight ends, which is obvious. I mean, you had Matthew Lacoste and Ryan Izzo. What are you going to do there? This offense has been built on you know, having a strong tight end, whether it's Gronk or you had, you know, the duo of Gronk and Hernandez back, you know, in the 2010, 2011 years, but you always had a strong guy that could block and he was a threat in the passing game that drew a lot of attention. Now all that attention gets burdened on an aging Edelman. And I mean, what can you do? No, no good quarterback was going to have a great year with that offense. You know what they also were dead last in? Wide receiver separation. And uh, shocker, who's at the bottom of the list? 
uh, Nikhil Harry. But all of the past players were, out of 143 players who were qualified, ran at least 100 routes, every single pass receiver that qualified was outside the top 100. Even Edelman. It's insane. And, and Nikhil Harry was dead last by a mile. So awful. He's so awful. So, there, you can look at, at Brady and say, we need him back. But it, we also have to look at, is it even feasible? Because salary cap-wise, it might not be doable. There's a chance. I mean, obviously, if he's looking for 30 per, if he's looking for Drew Brees money, like, way, like kind of up there for an old guy... Because he I, took a pay cut last year. He's been taking pay cuts. Yes, yeah. And if he does it again, he's going to be getting paid, like, average starter money. Also, yeah, he said he's not taking a hometown discount anymore. Yeah. Also, if the March 18th deadline passes, he's a 13-and-a-half cap hit. Guaranteed. And that's on top of whatever contract they agree to annually. I just don't which see means his, he, would, he would count, like, towards, like, almost 20% of their salary cap. Yeah, that's a lot. And Robert Kraft is on record for saying he will not pay a single player 18 to 20% of the salary cap. Came out and said that in 2013. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fair philosophy, and I mean, it's worked out for them well, too. I mean, when yeah. you've had a guy like Brady who's never been demanding top-of-the-line money, you're going to be able to have more cap flexibility. Yeah, they may not spend to the roof every year, mm-hmm. but they have the flexibility to make end-season trades every single year, it seems. This past year, they were a little bit more hamstrung, but at the same time, yeah, I just, it, it's tough to see Brady in this spot, and, you know, guys like Amendola, who had taken pay cuts over the years, much smaller guy, obviously, in terms of, uh, the you know, value to the team, but with Brady, he's always been that guy, he's always done it, it's just like, I don't even know if, if he wants, like, the 30 per, like, max, I think if you gave, if you gave him, like, you know, two years, two to three years, obviously three may be a stretch. I think Belichick wants to go year to year. But I think Brady wants the, like, the the uh, guaranteed, like, I'm the guy for the next two years, not going to year to year. I'm not going to get franchised. But he wants, like, that security of, like, both the, the money for sure. I don't think he wants to make $15 million next year with all these incentives that are ridiculous. I just think he wants – a fair pay, somewhere in the twenty to twenty-five range, probably twenty-five-ish, at least. At least, I think, with like a two-year guarantee, not a fake second year, a, a true two-year deal guaranteed. I just think it's it's a it's a three-pronged, you know, negotiation. Belichick, Brady, Kraft. I mean, you know, it's. I think it's going to take a bit. I just hope March eighteenth doesn't come and go, and he's still not signed. Yeah, I mean, my big thing is is if you're Brady, I understand that we all want him back and, you know, we would be willing to pay him and whatnot. But if I'm him, I, I look around the offense and I say to myself, they have to make some serious, serious changes next year if they want to compete. They have to go and bring in talent, not just in the draft, but they got to have to do it through trades or free agency. Because I look around at their skill positions, right, Running back, James White's pretty good. Michelle, horrible. And Burkhead, is, he's probably gone. They're probably going to cut him next year, from what I've been reading, to get his cap hit off the books, especially if they're going to be you know, going up in cap for re-signing Brady and stuff like that. Tight end, they have absolutely nothing. Not a soul. Ben Watson is gone. He was trash anyway. Lacoste is gone. He was trash anyway. 
Um, they're going to either have to go into the free agency market and grab a tight end, or they're going to have to draft a tight end at worst in the second or third round, at worst. And then wide receiver, you have Edelman who, you know, you'll look at the, – the people will look at his stats, you know, and go on Twitter and say that Edelman's still, you know, a wide receiver one in this league. But if you actually watched all the games – Edelman was not the Edelman of previous years this year. He he lost something this year. He led the league in drops, and I think it was more a product of, you know, he was the only one, so they force-fed him rather than, you know, Edelman was this elite, elite wide receiver. And then you have Sanu under contract next year. He's awful. You have Jacoby Myers, who has shown a kind of a flash, but he's still, he was undrafted for a reason. You can rely on him. And then you invest a first-round pick last year into the worst wide receiver in football, by none, bar none, period, the worst wide receiver in football, <laughs> who the Patriots, all they do, all their focus is on is on running the right route and, and scheming to get open. And what does Ryan say? This guy is the worst in the whole league at getting open. The worst at creating separation. Do you know how much he weighs? He weighs, I think it's like 225 pounds. 234. Yeah. And he can't create separation. Yeah. yeah. He, what? I was reading online that people were saying that he could barely create separation in Arizona State in the Pac-12 against the cornerbacks there. And he's awful. He is awful. He's the also, worst wide receiver in football, Dan. He was hurt the worst. for the first half of the Don't year. Care. All training Don't care. camp. Don't care. He didn't get to work with Don't Brady. Okay. He had to work okay. with Jerry. He was hurt. Stupid he was hurt. That's why, that's why he quit For half the year, that's first on, reps. That's why he quit on the deep route uh, in the playoff game. He quit on the deep route. Oh, because he's hurt? Well, no, I mean, he, he has got one, banged up in that game, He can't separation. Too. Two, he can't catch. Those are two big parts of a wide receiver. Running routes and catching the ball. And he can't do either. If he can't Awful. You're Dan talking about some nice all right, that kid right. that got called back. That was a hell of a play. And if he can make, I don't even care. He doesn't have to do that every time down the field. But if he can just be a red zone option, he doesn't have to be all pro. You're counting this guy out way too Dan, quick. if you invest a first round pick in him, he should be good. He should. He should. But this he guy's awful. Up. I know you. Best ability availability. You would love to throw AJ Brown, whoever else, Terry McLaurin. I know. Decaf. Decaf. Oh, DR. Hold on. Decaf, decaf is he's going to he's going to Ken. I'm telling you that right now. But Nikhil, he needs a full training camp with Brady, first team reps. He needs the OTAs, the passing camp. He needs all of that. He's a rookie. I don't care what you say, first round draft pick, whatever. Did they probably go too high on him? Yeah, probably they could have you know got a better talent at a lower level. You know, but at the same time. I don't think they swung and missed on this guy. I think it's way too early oh, for yeah, to call. Did. you got to give oh, him one yeah, more time. On he on looked great. In the first cinema. round. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Dan, <laughs> just, just to counter what you were saying. Yes. What if he doesn't have Brady next year? What if it is Stidham? If it is Stidham, all uh, I'm saying is. was Stidham. In the preseason, they looked like they had chemistry. At that's the good. Very that's least. good. That's I know pre-season. it's preseason. I know. But at the same time, I'll take that. That's all I got to work on, really. And the fact that Stidham was taking a lot of the first-team reps throughout the season because Brady couldn't practice as much, I like that in the sense that they're still working together. It's not like Stidham is here with, you know, the scout team or second team, and Harry's over here with Brady all season. I mean, some might think that, but actually Brady did not get to practice nearly as much with the first team. Obviously, the Cody Kessler point never, Jonathan had Brady didn't ago. even show up to OTAs in May. So. Well, he hasn't done that the past, like, two seasons. So how, where's Nikhil Harry supposed to get better there with Brady? Well, I think, Brady doesn't show I, think up. I think if Brady's back, you're going to see a different Brady, obviously, with no. his his Instagram post, everything. The way he looked. Co- he didn't even write that. He, that's not him, Dan. I don't care who it is. 
I mean, at the same time, he has to sign off on it. You think he's just going to let someone write some random no, but I'm saying about his don't, cool legacy don't career? Don't read so much into his Instagram posts. I'm not, but I'm also going to say, if you looked at his demeanor coming off the field and the way you know he was saying, uh, hopefully unlikely, that I'm going to retire and not play, I'm just saying, when we've seen Brady get a fire lit under his ass, most recently when they drafted Garoppolo, Belichick quoted as saying, we know Tom's age, we know his contract, uh situation i'm losing it i'm gonna kill you but back when they drafted jimmy g back then and the way he progressed the way they were gloating about him when brady got suspended and belichick talked about oh the the transition with brady and garoppolo you know in practice is seamless you're starting to see the writing on the wall are they gonna are they gonna pick garoppolo over brady and brady ends up having mvp year he ends up going to you know three out of four super bowls he ends up winning two of them and uh, well, three ultimately against the Rams, but it started with that Seattle Super Bowl the year after they drafted Garoppolo, and I think you saw just a completely different motivated Brady. And I think a loss like this, you're gonna see the same thing, maybe not the same level, but a similar type of style. I mean, I hope you're right, but I just I go go back to my original point. If I was Brady, unless you get some guarantee from Bill you know, in craft that he's going to spend and that the team is going to go out and get some legit weapons. If if Nikhil Harry is my number two wide receiver next year, I I would not come back. Period. I would retire if no, I was I think there's Because gonna, he is yeah. awful. Well, he's I, just, he's I, just awful. I think retirement's well out I don't think he's retiring, but no, I would not come yeah. back. If he they don't, if he'll they, go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that the thing we need to be watching for is Philip Rivers. Yeah, because let's say they could swap. No, no, no. I don't want any part of that. (laughs) No, give me Teddy Bridgewater before Philip Rivers. Give me Jake Fromm in the first round. uh, If, but if Philip Rivers gets twenty five million, whether it be from the Chargers or somewhere else, what do you think Brady is going to look around and be like? Oh yeah, he's going to be like, if this dude's getting twenty five mil, you got people like Stafford getting twenty something mil. Goff. Goff getting Ugh, absurd God. money. I've been taking pay cuts. They're getting that money. I better be getting that or more. Yeah. And I don't think the Pats have the cap flexibility to do that. With if they do that, they can keep him. But then they have nothing left to do to build to fix those holes that we've been talking about at wide receiver, tight end, O line. If you feel so, and or even re-sign your guys on defense that made your defense what it was yeah. this year. And so. As much as it pains me to say, I honestly think that the Pats are gonna like just say, "Go ahead, Brady. Go ahead. If you can get think you can get better a better uh, situation or better money from somewhere else, go for it." But they're I don't think they're gonna be the ones that try and reach out to him and beg him to come back. I honestly, from what I've been reading, I won't be surprised if they just decide to roll with Stidham and draft a guy in the draft to sort of mix it up with Stidham. And that way they have all this new sort of cap space to yeah. just share up the rest of the roster. Exactly. Because they are aged. Yeah. This is where yeah. it's, it's come back from the last couple years. Yeah. They've been able to offset the troubles they've had in the draft with talent that they have on the field. But they have really no influx of youth that you can feel confident of taking the next step. Yeah. Well, when you miss on like three drafts in a row in yeah. the first couple yeah. rounds, yeah. it's it's tough. Yeah, yes. it's catch. Yes. It's finally catching it, yeah. up. So. so I guess the question is, I, I mean, you guys, Dan and Jonathan, I think you guys have sort of stated <laughs> your points. 
Uh, one. Thank you. Um, but what, Zach, where would you like to see the Patriots go at the quarterback position? Uh, man, it's so hard to say just get rid of Brady because he's been the Patriots exactly. for our entire lives. But if he wants 30 plus million a year, it's just not going to work. Exactly. It's really not. I mean, they just, they don't have the flexibility to sign him for 30 plus million and then be able to shore up the rest of the team if they're still trying to go out and win Super Bowls. I mean, I'd love to have Brady back mid 20s. Sure. I'm in. Same. Mid 20s. I just think if you let him go over like a few million dollars, a handful, I think that's a, a bad mistake. I think you're going to not lose a ton of fans because I think like ultimately like we all love the team and Belichick. And I think Belichick is going to be here for another good like three to five years, potentially. He seems like he's not going anywhere. At least. And especially if Brady ended up being gone, he would be hyper-motivated to win, um, you know, and prove he didn't need Brady to win all, you know, all those titles. But at the same time, I just think that it's too early with Stidham. Do I think he could be a serviceable starter? Yeah, he could be better. But I think that if he was at where Garoppolo was... <laughs> right when they traded him I would feel so much better if they had to move on because at that point you pretty much knew Garoppolo you didn't know he was going to be able to hold up but you knew he didn't suck and you knew that he could probably be a starter and so that's where I stand with that I I will not lose Brady over a few million dollars I think that you know you got to try to keep him at all cost not 30 plus but in the 25 range like Zach said what about you Jonathan yeah, my thing is is that obviously I would I would take Brady back at, you know, twenty million or so. But as a fan of him, I don't want him to come back unless they really change up the offense. I just it's not fair to him to be throwing to Nikhil Harry. It's just not fair. He's done too much to throw to that bum in Mohammed Sanu, who's also a a bum. And you have to hand it off to Sony Michelle, who's a bum. He's, they just, if he's coming back, they, this is the last hurrah, they go all out, 07S style, and load up the offense, because he, if anyone deserves it in the history of any sport, it's him. He shouldn't be throwing to these bums. And if they aren't willing to do that, you know, I understand that there's cap, there's cap hoops and stuff that they'll have to jump through and stuff, but if they're not willing to do that for him, then as much as I want him back... In his decision, I, I think it's best for him not to come back. I think it, there's two ways this they have to decide. They either have to decide, do we bring back Brady and just do the best we can with the rest of the roster, or do we shore up everywhere else on the roster and make do with our next guy, whether it be Stidham, a guy they draft this year, or another veteran free agent like a Teddy Bridgewater, like Dan mentioned. And I... At this point, seeing the weaknesses throughout the team, I'd honestly rather them go with Stidham. It's a five hundred. It's a five hundred like yeah, sixty four or something. Yeah, it's nothing. It's just that would free up so much money. And, and he he at least isn't like immobile. I mean, he can kind of adapt to the way quarterbacks are now. Not like a Deshaun, but he's not stiff. Yeah. You know, he he can at least get out of the pocket if need be and might cater to a more modern type of offense rather than 
sit back, hope your line is good enough to give you enough time if you you know don't have great weapons. I would not want them to go get Bridgewater because he's going to get stupid money. Oh, he's going to get – it's not going to be much better. Like, no, it's not exactly. Be, That's what I'm saying. He's like, going to get like that 15, if not more. From, right, somebody's going to toss get, him. He's going to get board, not Kirk Cousins level money, but well, I think he might get 60, 70 He got guaranteed. $7 million as a backup. Yeah, no, yeah. he's gonna get I ridiculous get money. Sixty guaranteed, mm-hmm. probably somewhere. Yeah. Right there. So like, if if you're gonna if you're thinking, oh, we can get Bridgewater for five million less than Brady, yeah, no. just go get Brady. Exactly. Right. Uh, yep. So that doesn't. I'm not. I'm out on Bridgewater. If they're gonna do it, do it through the draft. Yeah. Don't go sign somebody for money. Just pay Brady then at that point. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just think it's too bad because I don't. I don't think Stidham is is ready. Like you mentioned, like Garoppolo, that took it took years for Garoppolo to get up to that point where he was when they traded him. Um, and I think it it would take Stidham, you know, it would be best for Stidham if he was behind someone for two or three more years. But if that's not going to be the case, then you just hope that he's good enough. Because game managers can win in the NFL. Will they win Super Bowls? Probably not, but. They can still compete for a playoff spot if he's a, if he's a you know average game manager. If you're like a game manager that has the ability to make a big throw here and there, I don't know if he does though. Yeah. Yeah, but like, Al, like what I'm answer. saying is like a game like Alex Smith made an like made an NFC championship. And that's the thing too is like I think everybody realized the talent of Jimmy G when he had to start opening night against the Cardinals, I believe, when Brady was suspended for those first four games, and all of a sudden we, I feel like. The consensus was like, this guy can play. Like at the very least, he can play. And then he got hurt in that Dolphins game. I think. But he cooked in that Dolphins. He game. cooked in the Dolphins out. game too. But you know, then he was out. You know, for I think the remainder. I think Brissett had to start the rest of the way because of his AC joint. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, yeah. I mean, I have more faith now than I used to that they can identify. You know, potential starting quarterbacks after the, you know, terrible like decade stretch plus. That they had, I mean, Castle, Hoyer, but... Ryan Mallett. Ryan (laughs) Mallett. Like, just... Danny Etling. I don't know if i put Castle in there, because he was good that year that he came. Yeah, yeah, he was... That was 11-5, though. Yeah. Yeah. He was was good enough, like, but, you know, wouldn't have been, like, a long-term, like, all right, let's lock up this guy. Um, Oh, somebody did. Well, yeah. Chiefs? (laughs) Stupid. Um, Yeah, nonetheless, Patriots eliminated, and, of course, the next two months should be riveting in terms of... Brady, just the Patriots in general, uh, where the whole dynasty is going from here, and if it's going to roll on with Brady in uh, 2020. But also, uh, if we want to touch on the rest of the playoffs a little bit too, we have we had a pretty awesome wildcard weekend, one of the most exciting in terms of just the product that I can remember. I mean, you had meltdowns with you know the Bills. In the, in the Texans, I was rooting so hard for Josh Allen in that game. Uh, obviously, the Patriots losing to the Titans, which was huge for the rest of the week. And, uh, yeah. Goddamn Bills. The Saints getting upset by the Vikings at home in the Dome. You like that? On another questionable P.I. call. I mean. All right, me. The media crucifies Brady all the time. Oh, I know. There's, oh, he's never whipping. Whatever. And then Drew Brees has all the weapons in the world. And they do nothing against the Vikings. And everybody's like, oh, Drew Brees, he's such a great quarterback. Shut up! Well, a lot with the Rodgers, Bullshit. Rodgers sniffed a Super Bowl once uh, in the year that the, uh, the Pats beat the Seahawks. Packers lost to the Seahawks that year in the NFC Championship game. 
The Packers haven't sniffed anything since 2010 when they won. And but still Rodgers just gets all this praise, all this love and never almost never gets criticized. He breaks his collarbone every other year, so it almost gives him a pass. I mean And you know, my beloved Seahawks. Your beloved Seahawks, Jonathan. Zach, your Trash. beloved Seahawks. Trash. Nah. Trash. Ryan's beloved Seahawks. Trash. We all know. Trash. Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. Hawks, they, trash. They beat the Eagles 17-9. Carson Wentz. Save. Trash. Should have kept Nick Foles. At yeah. the very least, there's that, no shot they keep Nick Foles. I know, but. I'm you draft the guy number two overall, he almost wins the MVP. And no, then, it's true. It's not, it's, even though Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, you're not keeping him over the number two pick. Yeah. Even hey, Nick still, Foles was bad in Jacksonville. Well, yeah, but... He got replaced for Gardner Minshew. Apples to oranges. What? Different team. Philly, for some reason, whenever he was with the Eagles, Nick Foles <laughs> was just electric factory. Uh, but anyways... Trash game. Great wild card weekend, though. I mean, seriously. All the games are close. Very close. Like, that Texans and Bills game might be one of the most absurd final... You know, can, you, can you tackle, Bills? Please tackle. <laughs> They Deshaun were, Watson, how does he break out of that? All the oh, it was God. literally what team wanted to lose most. <laughs> Josh Allen. Yeah. I was sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, I don't think either of these teams actually want to yeah, move on. on. I don't think either team wants to win. This is mind-boggling. <laughs> Sean McDermott, oh, let's go for on fourth and twenty-five. And what are you doing? And then, and then Josh Allen has the audacity to take a sack and run backwards oh twenty yards. Oh my God! Yeah. Unbelievable. I, Josh Allen, like, I love the guy for his fantasy production this year, but by God, that was, like, the worst second-half meltdown I think I've ever seen in a, at least a very long time. Yeah. Like, that, like, he didn't put up great stats to begin with, but, like, you, you're spotted a 16-point lead, and you just, just hand it, just toss it away. Cause Classic you Bills. Because cannot do anything in, on offense the rest of the game. Classic just, Bills. Wow. And then, and then Bill O'Brien goes... Yeah, we got fourth and one. We're in field goal range. The Bills' offense hasn't done anything. Let's, all let's go half. for it. Let's, let's just win the game now. Let's sneak on fourth and one. Get stuffed. And basically all the Bills have to do is pick up two first downs, and they're in, they're back in field goal range, and they kick and send it into overtime. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. The Bills didn't do it. If you kick the field goal there, and then the Bills get the ball back at their own 25, and they got to score a touchdown in 50 seconds... Not a chance. No timeouts. Not too. a chance. I mean, he's just that. not a very bright guy. No, but, no. <laughs> they. I still think if they lose on Sunday to Kansas City, which they're going to, I don't care if they beat him in the regular season. I still would fire him. They he's won't, not getting. They fired. won't. But I. If he lost at, against Buffalo, he would not be employed. The only reason I agree with Zach is because they still don't have a freaking GM. Well, they're going to sign Nick Casario. So no, the they Bill, said they were going without a GM for a while. Yeah. I still think they're going to sign. I, they, I Bill, think they got backtrack on that. Right now, <laughs> Bill O'Brien is part-time GM. I so he he could, he'd basically be firing himself. Obviously, it would be the owner firing right. him, but like essentially he is a multi-role in that organization as well right. on top of coaching. And so that's the only thing where I'm like, well, if they hired a GM, then I could start to see it. But they still don't have a GM, so Bill O'Brien's technically a part of the GM duties. And so I just have a hard time seeing them uh, cutting ties with him unless they decide to blow it up and just cut ties with everyone. That's part GM. So that's that's where I stand on that. Yeah. Nonetheless, I hope we get more wild card weekends like that in the future, minus the Patriots being there. Um, oh, by the way, yeah. can we talk about the in the Saints-Vikings game? Why on earth 
were like Vikings teammates yell like Diggs and Thielen or whoever it was yelling at each other on the sidelines constantly while they were winning, and then you had Saints players. On, I think on defense, yelling at yeah. each other on the sidelines while they were winning or tied. Like, every time I felt like I was looking, they're cutting to, like, a sideline argument. The Superdome in that first just half. cause just stress. Something just, that New Orleans water. <laughs> just dysfunctional franchises. Hey, dysfunctional, but Vikings this year, they're a team of destiny. Cast. So, so much cast. Oh, they are. Think they're they're going they're into the... they're going into San Francisco tomorrow, and they are beating down on those no. fraudulent. They are going to get blown out of oh, the no water. Yep. Plus seven and a half Vikings is a lot. The worst the money bet, line. Is the worst bet you could ever make. I could one up you. <laughs> oh yeah. Minnesota straight up. Oh yuck! You you gonna, you gonna do it? I might. I, <laughs> I, I, I Please like do that. I really like him with. I like them to win. But I really like them with the points. No. I mean, the 49ers, they're just such frauds. Yeah. They're oh such frauds. They're so bad. Yeah. <laughs> they're such frauds. They're going to get exposed tomorrow. I can't wait. They're going to get exposed. Yeah. I can't wait to be wrong. You've been wrong. You, got, you both been wrong since week two. <laughs> so true. Since Zach. week two when I said they were going to the playoffs. And you guys yeah. have been wrong and all they, year. And when they lose tomorrow. And Jimmy G has been around. money all year. <laughs> yep. All year. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be beautiful. Shouldn't have lost that first Seahawks game if they have, if they have their kicker. Done deal. It's yeah, that last that last wild card game, the Eagle Seahawks. Yeah, it was seventeen nine, but that was like the most anticlimactic, like non entertaining seventeen nine game you'll ever see. It was the only dud, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Which uh, will take us into uh, the divisional round, and we can kick it off with our mortal walks if we'd like. I mean, I I'm more than happy to share mine. Uh, it's pretty much the easiest lock of the century. I want to give it the money line treatment. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, Seattle, money line. Packers are frauds. Packers easily covering that. Rodgers is a fraud. Easily covering that. He hates his family, too. That's 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 offending. (laughs) But, so DR gave me all the picks this week. Basically, everything that he picked, I picked the exact opposite because he said he's terrible at this. (laughs) So with that... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm picking the Packers, but I'm not picking. That's not my moral law. Okay, okay. Nick, get them. It's uh, Titans. Me? What's the Titans plus seven and a half? Titans nine. Titans plus nine and a half. Easiest mortal lock ever. Dr. Loves the Ravens. Titans <laughs> plus nine and a half. Put it in the bank. Wow. I hope that comes true. All right. Uh, I kind of just foreshadowed my mortal lock, but oh my god. I've never seen a line that I love better in my entire life. I feel than, like I've heard this line than before. Minnesota plus seven and a half at San Francisco tomorrow. Yuck. It's an early game, which favors my Vikings. One thirty-five start local time, San Francisco. This is this is a massacre waiting to happen. Lying in wait. Yep, 49ers. Seven and a half. You're getting seven and a half points. Yeah, I'll a take touchdown that. plus. More than a touchdown. For the Vikings. I mean, I I would bet my entire life savings False. on this game. I have also False. heard this line before. From me. I would bet... House. So much. This game is, is the easiest bet I've ever seen in my life. The 49ers are such fraud. Jimmy G is such a fraud. That makes me not Captain Kirk, that stud, 
Silence the haters. Last week in the Superdome, he's going into San Francisco. This is a team of destiny. Team of destiny. Vikings plus seven and a half. Never in doubt tomorrow. Easy clap. Hey, Jonathan, you know what the record of the last 11 succeeds to get to the, the divisional round is? Probably 0 and something. 0 and 11. Records may be broken. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Team Destiny. So, so uh, <laughs> the random number generator had a uh, rough week 17. Uh, went 0 and 2, and it's a uh, double down. Tough. <laughs> Very tough. So, uh, so uh, picks made by Ryan went five and eleven <laughs> on the season. Just not a great performance by us or the random number generator. Uh, that being said, uh, the random number generator is going with Houston plus nine and a half against the Chiefs. But I, I am not on that bandwagon. Oh, no, okay, dude. No. I. <laughs> I'm going, Minnesota Vikings, yes. straight up, oh, over yes. the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G is going to get exposed as a fraud with no playoff experience, what throwing to absolute nobodies. <laughs> Vikings, team of, team, team, of team of destiny. Absolute team of destiny. <laughs> Adam Thielen is going to have another great game. Diggs is going to show up and show out. Cook is going to cook. And Captain Kirk is oh captain, my captain. Oh yes. God. Let's <laughs> freaking Team of go. Destiny. <laughs> I've never heard so much. I've never heard much worse takes. <laughs> Ryan was wrong in week two. He'll be wrong in week divisional 19. round. <laughs> Nineteen, we'll call it <laughs> divisional round. Um, but yeah, um, I hate both. Ryan and Jonathan's picks. Terrible. Oh. I hate your pick. That's fine. My Hawks I hate your roll. pick, too. That's okay. Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. Yeah, I, I like them with the points. I don't like them straight up. Straight up. Yeah. I don't even like them with the points. I think that's a field goal game. That's why I like them with the points. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and they're on the road, but Packers are frauds. I agree with the Packers. Seahawks are bigger frauds. I don't frauds. think the Seahawks are that. Like, Aaron Rodgers is literally going to shatter both clavicles in that game. So it's whatever. Russell um, Wilson threw for 350, and they literally scored 17 points. Well, Marshawn is going to try this week. Cap, they don't have like, a running game. So he's going to try. He scored! Marshawn, I know, but he had like eight yards. Yeah, so good, they have no rushing attack. He's That's got, literally how you beat the Packers. Fine. He's got nothing. I'll figure it out. Figure Marshawn it out. is washed. You're washed. He's so Then he is washed. <laughs> You're washed. <laughs> I, that's true, too. Fendi. Well, Everyone wants the league. to the Vikings. Team of destiny. Cap. Fendi. Fendi. <laughs> Y'all. Y'all. That was explosive. But I think we all agree the Ravens are going to win, even though Zach took Tennessee. I I don't think. Oh, I think, well, I think Ravens will win. Points. Yeah. Points. Yeah. Points. Yeah. points. Absolutely. Points. I still like him. I still like him. If they can control the claw or control the ball and run the ball the way they did on the Well, I think it's going to be a... Yeah, I understand where Zach's going. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game because they both... I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Ravens' offense has been scoring a lot, but you're looking at two teams that really like to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So and both their defense has been playing better. That's going to kill a bunch of clock. Yeah. yeah. And another thing is it's going to be warm. It's not going to be wet, but there is going to be a, a very strong crosswind forecasted for the game. So passing will be even tougher than it normally will be for a Lamar Jackson and a Ryan Tannehill. So you're going to see a lot of... Like you said, relying on the the strengths, the running yeah. games, and, and even so. when there's no win, these are two teams that are very <laughs> yeah. hard on the running. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like Tennessee with the points as well. Beautiful, beautiful. So I think that about does it for our NFL playoffs and Patriots uh, defeat uh, to the Tennessee Titans in the wild card. 
and our mortal walks of the week as well. Two of them are pretty decent. The other two are trash. Um, so anyways, make sure you catch half of those picks. And now... Yeah, make sure you pick the right half. Yeah, Vikings. It's true. Yeah. No. no. Uh, for the second half of the show, we got the last decade recap of our favorite, or in general, yeah, our favorite sports moments um, in each of the sports here uh, in Boston and just around in general. Uh, it could have some overlapping here and there, but nonetheless, uh, sports shall we start with, fellas? Uh, I don't know. You tell us, host. All right. We are going to start with baseball. Uh, I think there's plenty of moments in each of these sports that we can look back to. Um, I'm going to start... You know, I don't know if we want to have like a you know a true like five to one, but for me, um, if I, I, did, I did three to one. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah, three to one. Um, this was hard for the Red Sox. Yes, there was a lot of up and you know ups and downs in this decade. We've had some down years, but I think that number three for me is uh, the Big Poppy Grand Slam against the Detroit Tigers. I believe it was Game Three of the ALCS. Game Two of the ALCS. Over Torrey Hunter, flips over the right field wall. The cop in the bullpen throws his hand, just iconic. And it was one they needed. They they really needed that that hit. And it's another big poppy classic all-time moment in the playoffs. So, number three for me. Uh, yeah, I got that one at number two. Uh, but my number three is best pitcher for the Red Sox, Chris Sale. <laughs> strikes out Manny Machado <laughs> to win the World Series. Machado was down to a knee. It's just an all-time moment. It's the best pitch of the Red Sox have the past <laughs> few years. And it's just not he even close. He spelled wrong. He's just, he's just the man. <laughs> that, was, that was my number two. My number three, uh, it's not Red Sox related, actually. It's from this past World Series. Howie Kendrick's go-ahead home run in Game 7 <laughs> of the World Series against the Houston Cheaters. Uh, to win the Nationals' first title. Got the Boston Champions. You guys all had, were on the Astros bandwagon. I was the only one who took a stab in the dark for the Nats, believed that they could pull it out in seven, and to have them just be, they were getting killed the first six innings. They had nothing. They had absolutely nothing on Zach Greinke. Uh, they hit one home run. I think it was Rendon took him yard. Yeah. And then to ha- when Howie Kendrick hit that oppo taco off the foul pole, I lost my mind. I had nothing riding on the game except for pride, but I lost my mind. Oh, trash. All right. Um, I have this moment, which I think is one of the more iconic moments, but it's really a gripe I have with the whole play itself. Oh, so here we go. 2011, David Freeze hits that go-ahead. I think they were down to their they were down last to strike. last strike twice. twice. Um, he hits the go-ahead triple or the game-tying triple yep. in the ninth inning. Then he you gonna yell at Nelson Cruz? Then he wa- I am. I am gonna yell at Nelson Cruz because this is not talked about enough. That's Fendi. One. Why they the t- Texas Rangers are winning the game? You have a deficient outfielder. And Nelson Cruz, Ron Washington, why is Nelson Cruz in, in the game in the ninth inning? They should obviously have taken him out for defensive purposes. Two! Two! No, everyone only talks about David Freeze. Nelson Cruz has to catch that ball. That is, it's not that hard of a catch. 
He played it awful. The ball lands right at the base of the wall. It, it really wasn't that hard of a catch. You just sit on the warning track, and you should catch it. And no one talked about it enough is it should be up there with, you know, Buckner as one of the worst defensive players. I don't know about that. You have to catch that one. Uh, with you Buckner? Have, yeah. A ground, an easy ground ball that dude's feet. I, I don't really, think he's saying that it's, it's worse. It's not as bad as that, <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, no one talks about it, but everyone talks about Buckner. I agree. You have to catch that I'm not ball. saying the Buckner comparison is, is on point, but you should be in no doubles defense yes. in that yeah, situation. No. And not only was he not in no doubles defensive position, he then had the audacity to turn the wrong way when trying to catch this ball and just managed to completely and royally fuck it up, like you said. Yeah. So question. I, Do you think you can think of another play that is anywhere near that level? Like, those two are the two that we're talking about right now. Is there another play you think comes as close as, like, like a huge fuck-up, like some play you have to make? Well, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, it's I don't think it's as equal to Buckner, but I think it's that's probably number two. I can't think of anything else. So you're agreeing with me. I you. am agreeing with you. Well, I'm not agreeing with you because Buckner won a gold glove, and he should be able to make that play 100 times out of 100. Sure. I'm putting that one more on uh, the coaching staff, not taking him out of the game and not having him in the right spot. Rather than putting him totally on Nelson Cruz because he's, we know he's a bad outfielder. He knows he's a bad outfielder. Right. He should not have been in that spot. Do you think they were trying to be cautious and trying to like protect their chances if they came back, had to no. come back? No, I think solely they were caught up in the heat of the moment. They'd never been there before, and they just completely. Realistically, didn't think about it. I would agree. I just wonder if. Maybe there's a possibility where like, oh well, if we have to hit again, we want Nelson to hit. No. weren't they up? Eight, weren't they up two runs? It wasn't even a one-run game, I don't think. Yeah, it was two it runs. Was two. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you have to take yeah. Nelson Cruz going out. I don't know why game. you would be playing for extra innings. In yeah, right. tie game going in that inning, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But up two, no shot. Yeah, I just think it's one of the biggest. You know what? The Texas Rangers should have won that World Series. One of the biggest slept on fuck ups and. Yeah, Some and no, it's like no one. Everyone only talks about David Freeze, but I mean, it's just Nelson Cruz and Ron Washington not take. I mean, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Thanks. So, <laughs> my number two comes uh, from the 2018 ALCS Game Four, uh, which gave the Red Sox a three to one lead over the Astros. Andrew Benatendi with the game saving catch with bases loaded uh, to cap off an 8-6 to six win over the Astros. Um, just, it was a line drive. He's coming in there. He's not known to be, you know, like a Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr. type of uh, defender in the outfield. But that that diving play to win that game, I mean, it was huge. It, that could have been a huge swing. It could have been a 2-2 series if he misses that. And it uh, ends up being a walk-off. And for that moment, I just think it was one of those electric, many electric moments in the 2018 playoffs. But, it just stands out to me because I remember seeing that play and just being so hyped and just just reacting to it and him reacting to it. It was just it kept the train rolling on a season that felt like it was just the Red Sox's year with big play after big play. Yeah, he saved Craig Crumble. Oh. Awful closing. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> shut up. You need to stop. You you now now you need to stop. stop. Speak what okay. most are afraid to speak. <laughs> All right. Well, Dan took my number two, but I'll replace it with another one. Uh, from the 2018 season, Mookie Betts, bases loaded, 13 pitch at bat, grand slam over the monster, Eckersley beautifully 
comes over the mic. It's time to party. Just Mookie Betts' iconic moment from his MVP year. Yeah, my number two oh, was that. his number three sales striking out Machado to cap off such that 2018 historic season with a World Series title. I love that. Jonathan? Yeah, um, I had number two I had um, was actually your catch down, but I just thought of another one that I'll bring up. Um, 2016 World Series Game 7, Rajay Davis home run no, off yeah. of Chapman. That was, was unreal. Yeah. I know yeah. the Cubs end up winning the World Series, and that, that, that in itself unreal is an incredible moment. moment. But that home run for Rajay Davis off Chapman, who at Chapman at the time was considered like the elite, elite, um, um, best, he's pitcher, a god. best closure, elite, yeah. elite down, pitcher yeah. in the game. You know, he's fallen off a little bit since then. But and that was unreal. Down the line, game seven, especially coming from a, a person that really doesn't hit home runs in Rajay Davis. I mean, that was unreal. When yeah. That happened. Oh, if I'm going to replace one, uh, my second one, since it was already taken, I'll. I'll do you one better. D Gordon's home I was just run. About to say that. Yeah, uh, the day oh, after right. yeah, Fernandez, Fernandez had passed yeah. away, only that was his only home run. That was a leadoff too. I think yeah. first yeah. at bat home run. of the game. He Literally just second third he third. literally couldn't even yeah. make it around the bases yeah. without shedding tears. Oh yeah, that was. And he just crazy. literally walked into the dugout, sat down, and just bawled. Yeah, it was that was incredible. Damn. Well, my number one. This one is. For me, it had to be number one for me. Uh, 2013, after uh, a few days after the marathon bombing, and you got Big Poppy talking people in Fenway, national television, and he just gets up there off the cuff, and you know he's like just talking to everybody, the fans, and just the iconic quote, man, this is our fucking city. That to me, man, that just embodied that whole season throughout the rest of the way. And it was one of those moments, dude, you never forget when you saw that. Do you remember the first game after the bombing, the Daniel Nava home run in the bottom of the eighth that That's gave that him the game. lead? That's that game. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's a great moment. Hit you right in the fields, man. Yeah. Uh, my number one, keep you going on that 2013 team, yep. AL- <laughs> ALCS game three, Verlander against John Lackey, both throwing amazing games. Mm. In the top of the seventh inning, Napoli just hits a nuke off Verlander into the left field bullpen, and Sox win that game one nothing, go up three one in the series, and move on against the Tigers. And man, that that home run off Verlander, that guy's a stud pitching lights out, and Napoli just takes him yard. That was awesome. You love that moment. I love that. I've I've talked about that moment so many times. When he hit that home run, man, that oh, thing was crushed. That, was, that center yeah. field in Detroit crushed. is so far. And Verlander's <laughs> pumping ninety-eight, and he just, oh man, I love that moment. My number one moment is from my favorite game of the decade, uh, the Blue Jays. Yes, and oh, the, the Rangers. Oh, twenty fifteen <laughs> ALDS game five, winner take all. Jose Batista's go ahead home run with, and just the bat flip, the pimp of the. A century, yeah. literally. Uh, that sent the crowd into an absolute frenzy. I've never seen a baseball crowd that loud. react so loudly. And I, the camera was visibly shaking so much. I was just in awe of the moment. I, the entire game, that seventh inning, was just absolutely incredible with uh, Russell Martin throwing it off of uh, Shinshu Chu's bat on a throwback, and the the Rangers get a run back 
off of that. Uh, the Blue Jays get a uh, cheapy off of that. And then in the bottom half of the inning, uh, then you get the fans just chucking in beers and causing a, like a 10, 15 minute delay yeah, because they were just, there was fights earlier Classic in the game. game. The, 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 the atmosphere of that baseball game was unlike anything I have ever experienced. And I wasn't even there in person and I felt it. Yeah. It was, I think, I think that was probably the most hype and energetic baseball moment of the decade, in my opinion, at least. Probably it's ever. Be, it's got to be up there. Yeah. World uh, Baseball Classic with some of the Dominican teams oh. and stuff was pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. They go nuts. Uh, when the U.S. won the World yeah. Baseball Classic for the first time in however long it was. I forget that exactly. Yeah. Um, Dan, my, my number one was yours as well, but I'll just throw in this moment. Yeah. Game four, World Series. Mm-hmm. Red Sox up 2-1. I think it's the seventh inning or the eighth inning. I think it's the seventh inning. Mitch Moreland. Pinch hit, oh. nuke job, oh. absolute nuke 2018 job. 2018 World Series, freaking yeah. three quarters out of rush. The bleachers, I think, absolutely smoked. Yasiel Puig's yep. reaction is all time. All time. <laughs> Doesn't all even time. move. Just puts his head straight down or throws his hands up yes. in the air. All time reaction, absolute pimp job from one. <laughs> that ball mm-hmm. might still not have landed. That ball was absolutely crushed. So let me give you one more great pimp job. Bartolo Colon. Oh, yeah. Homer's at Petco oh, in 2016. <laughs> and the fat guy takes 45 seconds to trot around the bases. <laughs> but what a fucking nuke that was. That's up that, there. That's James Shields in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> that is that guy in that a nutshell. That was awesome. That was the same year he was like, Taking cuts in his back <laughs> helmet with helmet coming off. up, yeah. <laughs> like, that and then he hits a bomb. That was a year of Bartolo. <laughs> oh, Prince. True Prince. Um, so shall we move on? Uh, we can move on to basketball if we'd like. Sure. Uh, I think that's a good segue here. Um, yeah, this one, I, I had to really kind of think and go through uh, just the different moments. I mean, it's kind of been a roller coaster of a decade for the Celtics ever since 2010 when it started uh go from being a finals team to lottery team within three years uh i would say number three for me is the kg and paul pierce trade to the brooklyn nets along with jason terry because without that trade yes not every move involved from the pieces that they got from the brooklyn nets trade they didn't all pan out to be the greatest assets but they danny ainge did the most that he could have done with the brooklyn nets picks in terms of uh, being able to swing, uh, you know, pick up Jalen Brown, being able to draft Jason Tatum uh, with the n- number one overall pick, you're able to get some Kyrie Irving for two years, and it's still third overall pick should have been the first overall pick, <laughs> but they trade they they traded <laughs> down. A- anyways, yeah, I'd say the KG and Paul Pierce trade because it's set up for what we have now um, as the Celtics. All right, my number three. You know me, big basketball guy. Here we go. Big basketball guy. I can't wait to hear this list. I can't wait to hear this Pause this, this, this is actually probably my only good one. Kobe dropping 60 in his final game. That's a good one. That's uh, all time. I, I actually watched this game. What? <laughs> Where were you? Where were you? I was at my house. And Kobe, well, it was like Kobe's last game. He's like a big guy. I don't know. And he just kept shooting and took like 70 shots and dropped 60 points. That was awesome. He couldn't even walk. My number three is 
Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine's dunk contest in your 2016. I that was just incredible content. I, I, you can pick any one dunk that e- either of them did in that championship round. It was just back and forth, just unbelievable. Behind the back, over the mascot. Just go ahead, rattle them all off. They're all um, amazing. I'm trying to remember. You can't pick a bad one. One of them did some crazy 360 off of the side of the backboard, I think. That might have been Levine. I mean, best dunk contest of the decade? Oh, that's the best dunk dunk contest of the century. Maybe maybe Vince Carter's is better, but (laughs) oh my god. Remember Superman Dwight, but that was... But like, do what about Gerald Green covering his eyes? Nate Robinson jumped over Dwight. That was the best like one-on-one back-and-forth dunk competition I have ever seen. In my life. Yep. And so for that, I put it at number three. All right. Um, I got, unfortunately, this was like a dark moment for me as a basketball fan, but I got to put it in there because it was still one of the crucial moments. Game six, 2013 finals. LeBron hucks up a brick. Chris Bosh grabs the rebound, kicks it out to Ray Allen in the corner. He nails the three. Heat winning overtime. Game seven, that was that was never in doubt. You knew that he were winning that series. They never deserved that. Why and do you hate the, that moment the, so? The I fans. Hate, I hate the Heat. I hate LeBron I mean, so much. Everybody hated the Heat. He just hates greatness. The fans of <laughs> Miami all bailed. Literally yeah. half the crowd was left to see that play. Yeah. And it was game six. Game six of the finals. <laughs> yeah. They all left. They bailed. Once, once the Heat won that game, you knew they were not losing oh, game seven. Absolutely. No, it was never in doubt. And... They should not have let the doors open for Game 7. Just like no one ever talks about Nelson Cruz, no one ever talks about that guy, Kawhi Leonard. What were you going to say? In that game, they were up two, and he went to the free throw line, and if he hits both his free throws there, they win the game, they go up four, and he split at the line, he split the free throws, and then the Heat came down and ran out and hit that three, and no one ever talking about Kawhi missing that free throw. And it deserves to be talked about. Because God, he should have won that finals. The Spurs had that one. LeBron should only had one finals in Miami. They shouldn't even have won it in Cleveland. It, don't get me. Just awful moment, but still one of the top moments basketball-wise of the decade. Probably the best, like, you know, game maybe. Yeah, I don't think so, but go ahead. Okay. What's your number two, Dan? So for me, I believe it was the Eastern Conference semifinals uh, in 2010 when the Celtics ultimately ended the first Homer. stint of LeBron James's uh, career. Uh, you know, they had been battling ever since the Celtics got the big three. And that 2010 finals, uh, Eastern Conference semis, this, this moment for me, as a Celtics fan, it was, you know, like... 15, 16 years old, and you see this guy, this villain that you just hated. He's walking <laughs> off the court, takes off his Cavaliers jersey, and I think pretty sure the announcers even said that could be the last time he takes off that Cavaliers jersey, and it was for the time being. He ends up going to Miami that following summer, and it was the Celtics who really were the thorn in LeBron's side until he went to Miami to kind of make his own big three. And for me, that moment. Seeing that, it was just so reassuring after seeing the Celtics be trash cans until they got the big three. It was one of the most like satisfying. They lost the finals that year, but it was very satisfying in the moment. It was one of my favorite moments. All right, uh, number two, it's not really just a moment. It's more of like a couple weeks, but Lynn Sanity. Yes! Like oh, Lynn Sanity was awesome. You know, this little Harvard dude, this little dude just 
torch in the league. It was awesome for a couple weeks. That's all I got. <laughs> Beautiful, Zach. Well said. Uh, okay, just hold on. Before we pass out, just think about how crazy, you know, you see stuff like that all the time, but just think about, like, where Jeremy Lin is at now. I mean, like, that, yeah, I mean, that stretch, that, that made his career. <laughs> Yeah. He if went inside that Hughes contract with Hughes. Yeah. If he didn't yeah. get if he didn't have that stretch of games, bro, like he would not be in the NBA right now, I don't think. Probably. Yeah, okay. So I don't think he is in the NBA right as of right I, now, but No, he is. No, he is. He's on the Nets. Yeah, he's on the Nets. Oh, I'm he was sure. playing he's in a, China. He's a role player in the no, Nets, my He dad. was on yes. Toronto last year, he won a championship. No, I'm I'm pretty sure he's playing in China. No. No, he's no? on You're the wrong. Nets. I, I, I definitely saw him on yeah. the court like a few weeks ago. Yeah, I forget, but so, big basketball guy. Uh, he's yeah. in China. Told you, he plays for the Be- Beijing Shugang. Okay, well, I didn't he know it's for the Mets this season. Yeah, he definitely played. For oh the Mets no, this yeah, I'm pretty sure because he had that press conference where he was he got so emotional of like yeah. not being really wanted anymore and yeah. whatever. Anyways, that's a great moment. See, my number two was the 2016. NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship oh, game. Yes. The end. Oh, the worst ending. Marcus ever. Page ties the game oh. with like four seconds left on a double clutch three pointer, which was just incredible in its own right. I love that. And then uh, I think it was Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, or Chris, Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins. Yes. Thank you. Fucking Biggie Stan. Uh, just uh, Archie Diacono. Yeah. Yeah. Right. legend. Bulls. Dribbles it down, sets up a nice handoff play to Jenkins. Jenkins buries a three at the buzzer to win a national title game. You just get all the streamers coming down. It was just an incredible moment for me. That just the is worst crazy. thing ever. That play is crazy to think about because literally nobody picked up Jenkins the whole way down the court. Yeah, he, he, ran the free. he ran free. He literally just jogged up the court. And Diac, uh, Diac, whatever, I can't even his name. Diacono. Literally just dribbled the ball up the left side and was able to draw two guys onto him and nobody picked up Jenkins. Like, did they not know he could shoot from long range? It's like... Just incredible. Just man up defense. But, I mean, hell no. Yeah, I got uh, 2016 NBA Finals Game 7. That uh, that cancer Kyrie hits that three um, in Steph Curry's mug. Biggest shot of the win him To win him the finals there. Cleveland compete, completes the 3-1 comeback. Warriors lose 73-9. Kevin Durant goes there, unfortunately, because that happens in the LeBron James block on Iguodala uh, a minute before then. Just a huge sequence there. Probably the best of, you know, LeBron James' career. Um, huge game, huge moments. That might have been the best. That might have been the best game of the day. Maybe. But, uh, Maybe. yeah. So, yeah. I would be remiss if I did not have this as my number one of the decade. 2011, uh, Mr. Now Celtic, Kemba Walker, in the Big East Tournament (laughs) against Pittsburgh. That was this decade? Yes. 2011. Cardiac Against Butler. Oh, well, not in Pittsburgh. No, I I already said that. I mean, they played Butler in the national title game. Right. Cardiac Kemba, step back, top of the key, in, uh, fuck. Madison Square Garden. No, I know where it was, but uh, oh, the, some dude's real name. That, that guy McGee. was ugly. McGee. Man, yeah. was that guy ugly. Uh, yeah. In Madison Square Garden, his sort that's like the closest hometown you know stadium he could be in. They go on, they have a huge run, and they win the national championship. During that run, step back, cardiac Kemba has to be my number one. They were a seven seed that run. 
weren't they? No, that Six. was that was when they went. No, or four, I think they were third. They were seven when they went with Napier. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what they were a yeah. higher seed with Kemba. Yeah, definitely higher seed with Kemba. Yeah. All right, my number one is a signing to establish the greatest oh dynasty my. of the decade. <laughs> Kevin Durant <laughs> goes and signs with the Warriors. <laughs> to create the greatest trio we've seen in probably 20 years. And they should have won four straight outside of injuries and a bullshit suspension Draymond. And Jonathan just hates greatness, but they created the greatest team of all time. And yeah, I agree with that. I will say, as much as I'll forever disrespect Durant for doing that as a longtime Thunder fan, uh, I, I at this point, being so far removed from it now, I think... I'm becoming more and more like thinking towards the bright side of things and the kind of respect and appreciation that Russell Westbrook was able to attain in like Oklahoma city. And I don't think if Durant was there, it would have been, you know, it wouldn't have been like that. So that, I mean, that's just a personal thing for me. I remember when the news dropped, we were in the Cape. I was here. It was on the 4th of July. It was on the 4th of July. At least I was down the Cape. I, I was here, and TV. I immediately texted you. It was like, ha, 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 And you were like, wait, what? And he's like, he went to Golden State. You were like, no. I thought it was just rumors at the time. You, you thought know, I was I like, pulling, sure. like pulling a fast one on you. I, it was dead ass. I was like, there's no way this dude is just going to join the team that just came back 3-1 to him, you know, in the, the, I, the I can semifinals. You, I can tell you where I was. I was crying in the, your room. Of course, there was all these, like, Twitter accounts that were like, oh, Kevin Durant spotted in Boston. Kevin Durant spotted in Boston. And I was of the mindset, me, stupid, just graduated high school, naive idiot, that the Red Sox were playing a day game that day on the 4th of July. And I went into the shower and I texted people that I went to high school with that we should go into Boston because I think he's going to walk out of the monster during the Red Sox game and announced that he's, <laughs> and announced that he's walk out of the monster during the Red Sox game with a Celtics jersey on and we had we have to get in town to go to the Red Sox game today because Kevin Durant's gonna walk out and say he signed with the Celtics and I went to the shower and I came out of the shower and I looked at my phone and it had it had completely blown up and it was you know what it was, and it was just that might be one of the most sad so things I've ever heard. In my entire life. It was what a great such moment! A dark moment. I just what a great moment of the decade. That's sitting in sorrow for the next like yeah, that was not a three fun. years. Yeah. John and I bonded really uh, a lot during that time. So yeah, with your showers, Fendi. <laughs> so my number one moment of the decade was when the <laughs> was when the buzzer sounded and UMBC. Completed I was waiting for somebody to say this. The most historic upset in the history of college basketball in March Madness by winning by 20 over a one seed. It had never been done before. Everyone was saying, uh, maybe it'll happen someday. But everyone was like, nah, this, it, it probably will never happen. And then it finally happened, and I could not believe it. And it, it wasn't like they won by like the skin of their teeth. They thoroughly smashed the best team and going into that tournament. I will never forget that. And like, it was tied at halftime. They just pooped on them in the second half when you would expect a one seed to have really just wiped the floor with the 16 team. <laughs> yeah, Because you see that. Like, it oh, seems yeah. like every year one of those one Low seeds is always, they're always like close at the yeah. half. Yeah, they, it, this, the lower seed is 15, 16. They're able to yeah. keep it close for a half. Then as soon as the second half starts, 
the the hot one of the two seed just gets it going and then they handle their business. But this was one of those few times where that low seed they didn't just hang around; they took over. I went into that tournament because Virginia is the, is a fraud every single year, Not except last for the year, year they won. <laughs> Not last year. Besides that, okay, that's a fluke here. Oh, okay. Their system, okay, I guess what I should have said is their system is so fraudulent when it comes to, like, March Madness, and I'll it's tell true. you why. Because they're, they're a three and D team, and that's not going to, that usually they're, is not going to, Dora. They're a okay. D and three team, if we're being real. Right, and when they came to that tournament, and everyone was like, oh, they're, they were like, a, they're one of the best ones, I was like, Okay, no, this team is gonna lose to some higher seed. I didn't think it'd be a sixteen seed. Yeah. But they were gonna lose like probably their second or third game. Like they just they did not have it together in my opinion. But like that moment. Virginia is historically not good at offense, but they're just so good at defense and then for them to be bad at offense and then not great at defense in that kind of situation against uh, uh, a nobody. But all it takes is one team yep. to just go off on a hot streak, and they don't have the scoring to keep up. I, I will say my honorable mention is when Florida Gulf Coast upset Georgetown as a 15-2, Dunk City. and Dunk City yep. was born. <laughs> that game was fire. They were throwing down some logs. The entire game was just a, a, a dunk contest. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing how a Big East team. Like Georgetown, a two seed Georgetown Big East best could player. just get absolutely just the, embarrassed. The him. last oop when the guy throws it almost. Dude, that guy like, was his hand was like over the oh backboard. Right, but <laughs> but the pass, the guy yeah. throwing the pass, literally like last second before the ball would have like hit the bottom of the backboard. Exactly, like yeah. just gets. I mean, just so like casual. He's not even like looking. Yeah, he, he no looked it. And the dude's just like, oh hey, room. He's like looking down. Uh, we're talking about upsets. I want to give one more honorable mention too. Yeah. When C.J. McCollum was born, and the Patriot <laughs> League right. champions Lehigh upset number yes. two Duke in the 2012 tournament. Don't forget oh. Mercer upsetting Duke in the tournament as well. What great <laughs> moments when that fraud Coach K just loses, just gets oh, beat well, he down. He was injured then. His coach back. K, yeah, yeah, yeah. Move. Back, back, who cares? Back, back, back. You're a coach. Teaches humility. <laughs> I remember when Duke beat uh, Butler for a national championship. I don't remember Lehigh winning a championship. Fendi, Fendi, Fendi. I remember. Fendi, Fendi, Fendi. I remember Big Jack hooking them boys to a national Fendi. championship. Fendi, <laughs> Trey Jones, <laughs> Justice Winslow. Sir. All right, so um, my number one basketball moment from the decade. Anyone that knows me, you might know where I'm going here. It wasn't a basketball on a court moment at all. It was this Johnny right here. I fit low. This is technical oh. difficulties. There you go. I think I know this. With the third pick in Best moment of the whole decade for basketball. <laughs> this man is going to cook. This decade, he is going to win you multiple championships oh my as God. the star. He is a Hall of Fame, all-NBA type player. Go to Springfield. Once he gets his efficiency down a little bit in the next couple years, at least he's going to be a almost 
30 point per game store. Him and Jalen Brown going to take over the league. This is going to be a good decade for the Celtics. You are looking at multiple championships led by that Johnny, Jason okay. Tatum. Somebody clip that because that's not I have to be honest. <laughs> for a second. I mean, hour 12. Stream sorry. marker. I thought yeah. he was gonna. I thought he was memeing, and he was about to play uh, the Fergie national anthem from the All Star game nah. for some reason. Oh God! I would have cut that. I w- that would have been <laughs> so funny. It wouldn't have counted. I would have cut that. <laughs> Best draft pick of all time. <laughs> only rivaled by the Patriots picking Brady one ninety nine. No, hey. only rivaled by the Patriots <laughs> picking Nikhil Harry. I'll, I'll throw in one honorable mention: Jason Tatum, Game Seven of the oh, East yes. Conference Finals, dunking yes. on LeBron, on LeBron, and then he hit yeah. three the next possession too. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we he's going to do that this year too. We want to move on to uh, hockey. Sure. Oh yeah, baby. So this one kind of falls in the line a little bit with my one of my Red Sox moments, but such a beautiful emotional moment when uh, Renee Rancourt sang the national anthem uh, like two days after the marathon bombing. And that crowd, pretty sure everybody in that building in TD Garden sang along. And it was one of the most beautiful national anthems you could ever witness or see on TV. I ever. miss that dude. Yeah. I was, yeah, just I was at that game. Yeah. Oh. Um, it was one of the more emotional things you've ever been a part of. Yeah. It was the, the whole crowd. He, he stopped singing. He was just mm-hmm. waving his arms around, waving us along. And it was just, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you have something? Probably? No, okay. Uh, my number three, Bruins, Game 7, 2013, first round against the Leafs, down 4-1 in the third period. Oh. Come back, they score one, and then they get two more with the empty net, and then Bergeron scores in overtime. Man, that was awesome. It would be higher on the list if the Blackhawks didn't score two goals in 17 seconds in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup that year. But I digress. Great moment. Yeah, it's the only hockey moment I had. Okay. Yeah, um... I had one of mine was uh, what Zach just mentioned. Um, Tuka Rask, game six against Chicago. Two goals and I think a minute. Um, 17 seconds. I think it was a minute and 17 seconds. Between the goals? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it was like it, a minute. It, it, it was a minute. Um, just unbelievable choke from the Bruins. Just Tuka Rask career in a nutshell i mean uh, when you did you watch those two goals though like, yeah, they, were, like, like they yeah. were both like shots from like the blue line don't with care. like five guys in between like i don't care i don't I, I it's just bad i think it's a lot as much bad luck as it is you know bad defense and goal thing. okay and then I'll, I'll say another one then two okay. goals on four shots 2018 uh 2019 game seven stanley cup final at home <sighs> Um, whose mm-hmm. fault is that? That's also just bad luck. Everything's just no. Bad that's defense and goal. That's defense and goaltending. Okay. I got one more. Um, not that it came to my mind like right away, but after thinking about it, and just the past probably five years, if you juxtapose, uh, you know, uh, Claude Julian's last like two ish years with the Bees and uh, what Bruce Cassidy has been able to do. So 2016, 2017, right after they missed the playoffs, um, they fire Claude, which I think at the time. You know, you had a lot of people that were like, oh, fire Claude. But, like, I, I don't know if a lot of people actually thought they were going to pull the trigger on that. But, yeah, they bring in uh, – they, they promoted Bruce Cassidy. And, you know, ever since, they've been on the rise. Uh, my number two was the, the summer of Ovi. Oh. Capitals win the oh, Stanley Cup. Great one. Ovi finally gets his – Cap two? His ring. And, uh, man, just all that stuff that summer with him and the Cup. And it just seemed like the Capitals were everywhere. And they were always drunk. <laughs> they were at the Nationals game just getting hammered with the Stanley Cup in the boxes up there. And Ovi's been my favorite player for a long time, and that was just a 
really cool thing for him to finally get one. Yeah, I got uh, 2010 um, Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, game seven, Bruins are up 3-0. They blow it. Ugh. They go up 3-0 in the first period. Philadelphia comes back and wins. Another tarnish on a Tuka Rass resume because Rass was the goal for that. So is not man, this guy can't be any more negative. Are all your yeah, hockey yeah. ones just anti Tuka yeah, Rask? Yeah, and 2011 Stanley Cup, Tim Thomas goat. <laughs> well, 2011, <laughs> a, a, a good one. The first round against the Canadians, uh, one of the earlier games, but Tim Thomas is way out of position as usual. Wide open net for Thomas Lucanitz, and Michael Riders makes a beautiful glove save, gets down and just makes an awesome save. And then the Bruins win the Stanley Cup for the first time in 41 years. Uh, I want to I wanna bring another one up. I don't think it's as much looked at. I think it, uh, the call by Jack Edwards for me is what makes it so, uh, so iconic, at least in, in Boston. I believe it, it was a Bruins-Canadians game in Nathan Horton era. Um, I trying to. I think it was a game seven, and I think it was a game winner too, or at least what put them ahead. Um, but it's the very, it's the infamous the Bruins, like, and Jack Edwards just starts like basically crying in like excitement, um, and I think they even cut to him and and uh, brick in the box, um, going nuts after the goal. But Nathan Horton is one of my favorite players of all time, especially mm-hmm. during this decade. Um, I, I do miss that old Bruins team. They had grit. Yeah, grit. They had grit. Gregory Campbell too. Fandy Gregory Campbell. Dennis Hyde. Broken legs. And Johnny Boychuk. Oh, McQuaid. Yeah. Michael Ryan. Wish they had guys like Riley Smith, you know. They could score goals. And you know Noel Chari, that guy. I was just Frank going Frank to Frank say Fatrano. wish they had guys like Frank Fatrano <laughs> and Noel Chari who could score Sagan. goals. And Chari's going getting he's almost like at twenty goals. Like well, he had six in two games. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Alright. We want to move on to football. Now. Sure. And yeah, so number three for me, uh, it's going to be the AFC Championship game in 2017. Back of the end zone pass to playoff Danny Amendola. Barely gets his feet down right in the ba- uh, back of the end zone. It was a gimme, too. Uh, like that was one of the pivotal moments towards the end of the get, uh, that game. Jacksonville, low key, could have won that game and gone to the Super Bowl. I mean, Hell of a run by them that year, and Jalen Ramsey playing at the top of his game. Blake Bortles playing pretty well for himself, but the catch in the back of the end zone from Danny Amendola, man, that like that was just one of those like you just get up, you're like, oh, f yeah, like oh, let's go, like you know that for me. There's so many plays, but that one was one of them that really, really hit it for me. Yeah, uh, 2012 wild card round. You know me and Dan over here, real big Team Tebow guys. <laughs> And in OT, Tebow to Demarius Thomas, 80-yard touchdown to beat the Steelers. What a great moment for the greatest college football player of all time. Ah! Ah! There's no cap to that statement. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He didn't even win two Heismans. I think he just broke audacity. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, quick happen. He's the best. Go. All right. Well, speaking of college... Uh, my number three moment is the Auburn kick six to Ooh. beat Alabama at the buzzer of the 2013 Iron Bowl. I remember it was a back and forth game. I was watching it. I ordered fucking Domino's. I was Weird. Don't say fucking Domino's. <laughs> Just say you pounding, ordered Domino's and you loved it. a Domino's fucking pizza. <laughs> Fuck Nick pizza. was with me eating pizza, Domino's as well. Weird. What, what else would I put I two Pop-Tarts in it? Yep. 
And I just remember me and Nick had completely <laughs> different reactions. I was just like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? I, and Nick's kind of just I, like, yeah, let's go Auburn! Okay, I was a little more enthusiastic. War Eagle! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I went on Twitter and I saw nothing but hashtag War Eagle. I was like, I love this. Yeah. Fuck Alabama. Fuck that. That was a crazy play. To win a game on a 109-yard kick return. Fendi SEC scheme. Yep. Big Madison guy. Um, I got 2012 AFC Divisional Playoff in Denver. Ravens at Broncos. Under a minute left. Joe Flacco out of his ass. Throwing up a heave. Somehow Jacoby Jones sneaks Jacoby behind Jones. the defense. Yep. Catches the ball. Scores a touchdown with under a minute left. That game goes to overtime. Ravens win. Then they go in the Foxborough. Win the Super Bowl. That low run they had. That moment at the Broncos was unbelievable. I remember I was so excited. Was that the the Super Bowl? I was so yeah. excited because Peyton Manning was on that team. Of course, I was rooting for Peyton Manning to lose. And it was just a classic, like, the classic Peyton Manning's team choking it. No business completing that pass under a minute left. Absolute breakdown by Denver. Unreal moment, Kobe Jones. Before you go, Dad, yeah. what are the odds we have the same top two? Pretty high. Um, I think pretty I high. I would imagine... We'll One play at a goal line is up there. And, uh, yeah, and another play with a lot of people around one. him. I don't have that one. Real, uh, yeah, I kind of expect Number two. Uh, <laughs> All right, maybe me and you. The Patriots, finally, after we've seen it multiple times over the past decade plus, especially in 07, they get their BS circus catch against the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51. Julian Edelman with like four guys around him. He's the ball is like inches from the ground. He bobbled it for a second, caught it. Pretty sure they ruled it a catch on the field too. Yep, they did. Surprisingly, yeah. um, and then oh, they confirmed it. And he barely like Jibble one of those all-time <laughs> catches. And you know Julian Edelman, who else to make it? Like seriously, what a fucking play! All right, that was my number two because it's an unreal play. I'll just give you another one from that game. Uh, James White. Yep. Touchdown, win the Super Bowl in overtime. Best running back on the team. Best running back, running back of all for time. For a long time. <laughs> Should have won Super Bowl MVP. Should have won Super Bowl MVP. Fendi! It's like David Price should have won World Series and stuff. Cap. Fendi! So, there we go. James White, baby. Nice. Yeah. That's definitely, that was my number one James White's TD to, to cap off the greatest comeback in sports history in one single game. Uh, my number two is Malcolm Butler's goal line interception to, to just basically steal uh, Super Bowl 49 against the Seahawks. You you go from just, oh my god, they're, they're going to beat us. There's We're screwed. There's no way we don't win. They're at least going to, they're going to score. We're, we're fucked. And then they throw the ball instead of handing it off to beast mode Marshawn Lynch. And you just go from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs in the matter of the snap of a finger. That yeah. catch, the Jermaine Curse catch, right? Is it Jermaine yeah, Curse, right? The only reason that one is number one for me is just because I was there and just. Sick, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just telling you why it's number one. Okay, fuck you. you. I hate no, you. Did you guys no, see the no, NFL 100? Yeah, yeah, and neither one of those plays neither is fucking on it. One of them no left. Bullshit. That's Highway Robert. They're haters. Yeah, like greatest that's... moments ever. Those are not in the top 16. There was what's the what's the immaculate catch? Is that the Joe um the fucking Joe, the catch Joe yeah. Montana. That, yeah. That's the catch. Immaculate reception is oh, that's, literally that's, the one where it hits him in the chest. 
I oh, it bounces and the other guy, yeah. The other guy catches it, almost like a hook and ladder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he runs it in for a touchdown. Yeah, um, David Tyree's on there, but those two players aren't. Yeah. The Philly special. Yeah. Yeah. Give, me, give me a break. In the second quarter. Give like, me a break. <laughs> that was a great play, yeah. like, for them, great play. But it didn't decide the thing. Yeah. yeah. Is it the second quarter? Yeah. Fuck that shit. <laughs> All right. Um, Haters. I got a throw from the Atlanta game. You might have heard me talk about this throw before. But uh, I, I looked it up before. Third and ten. Patriots back to their own goal line, needing a touchdown. Brady takes a blitz on both sides, steps up off his back foot, floats it in to Chris Hogan for a first down. Right side. Right side of the field. Best throw. The best throw I have ever seen in my whole life, bar none. The best throw. The best throw of all time. In the moment. Oh. The best throw of all time. Now we. I'm sorry. That's the best throw I've ever seen in my whole life. Okay, that's fair. No, it's for sure. Okay. So, my number one uh, was the Malcolm Butler interception at the goal line, surely for just the shock value, and you literally see Brady screaming like a little girl on the sidelines, jumping up and down. So, I'll give you another honorable mention. It's in the same playoff run. They're down 14 twice to the Baltimore Ravens, and it's a toss-up between two plays. If Zach has one of them, I'll just say mine. The double pass... Brady to Edelman on the far side. Edelman from the far side throws a vertical streak to Danny Amendola. Kent State, Kent State's very own Julian Edelman. The double pass, amazing. Texas All right, me and Dan had the same two and one, so I'm Shit. just gonna pass it on to Ryan. And that was the one I was gonna come back. I have, to if I have. No, that's those are my top two. All right, players. James White. I also had Malcolm Butler's number one. All right, there we go. Let's throw out some honorable mentions though. How about Obey OBJ's Obey OBJ's catch against the Cowboys? Yeah, yeah I was gonna put that in, but honestly, I don't think I saw it live. I didn't, I, got, I didn't either, and it was a regular season game. I yeah. got the Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Playoff game, did, don't remember where I was when I saw it. And I got Beastquakes run, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's one of the best uh, runs so, like, ever. Please for, wait! For the Seahawks Super Bowl, I mean, you said you were at the Seahawks <laughs> Super Bowl, right? Where were you for the Falcons one? I was at... Bentley. I was in the worst city. In nah, America. he was in the, the best dorm, the best <laughs> yeah. city, and the best I was state. in I was in Lowell for both. The, for the Malcolm Butler interception, everyone jumped up and just started losing their minds, and one person literally lost their pants. There was a, <laughs> there was a just a penis the, at long. Uh, oh, 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 um, for the boys, um, <laughs> well, my game been the boys for the boys much uh, yeah, yeah, these days. Well, Mike, not for the boys back. Back. And, uh, back. Well, Mike got a girlfriend. Yeah. And I, uh, I ran out of Lil Mike's. And uh, if you ever been to Lil Mike's house, he's got like these stairs. I'm sure the listeners. Bro, yeah. The stop. Stop. Yeah. That. I jumped, I jumped off the deck into the snow. Good job. That's better. Beautiful. And Brian's talking about people losing their pants. Well, people who know pants, people don't know Lil Mike's house. They know it now. 
You might as well just leak yeah. his address, bro. Right. Yeah. So we can span over like just nice any strawberry. honorable Water. mention from nice any sport. Beer. Doesn't have to be the four we just covered, but. Oh, Z, didn't you have some golf Zach, ones? Zach, I think has there are a couple a, golf ones. I think Zach has maybe one or two important golf ones. There's only one golf one that really needs to be talked about. Just, I mean, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. What are you gonna Obviously say? That's Go for one. it. Oh, the mass Tiger winning the Masters is the only one that really needs to be talked about. I'm sure you yeah. have other ones. No, I mean that's a that's a that that was the biggest one. Is Tiger coming back? I cried from everything winning the Masters. <laughs> he goes over, hugs his son. And they flash back to him hugging his dad after he wins the oh, Masters. Unreal! It's like they were trying ball to ball my eyes. That was that was yeah, awesome. That was the. Um, and before that, Tiger comes back, wins the Tour Championship as he's walking up the 18th fairway. Just all the fans come rushing on the fairway behind him and Rory as they walk up the fairway. It's just like something out of a movie. It was such a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last one was just Dustin Johnson winning the 2016 U.S. Open. He was the best player of the decade up to that point. He lost the year before. Four, he four-putted on the 18th up. hole to lose to Jordan Spieth. Uh, he had 11 top 10s in majors before that, and he finally gets it done. I, I have one, and it's a personal one, but it makes sense. Uh, the Dell, Tech, Dell Technologies Open in 2018 here in Massachusetts. Uh, it was my first time ever seeing Tiger live in person. Same. And f- just following him in the masses, getting as close as we possibly could. I mean... It was something in sports. I'm so happy I got to witness. I don't care if it wasn't a major. I went for one day. We got to follow Tiger the whole damn day, and it was one of the best sporting events I've ever experienced in my life. How many people in this room have seen Tiger Woods in person? All five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's even a golf hater like me has seen him. I got his autograph. It's just he's just like he's an iconic figure, just like LeBron or all these other guys that you just love to see, like. One time greatness. in person, yeah. just greatness in person. Are you really watching WWE? No, right no, he's now? going to look for PC. Okay, good. Um, I'm fine with that too. I got a, one more last golf moment. This guy, he's up and coming, kind of a fraud. Ricky Fowler, like he never wins the majors, he's been but out for a bit. 2015, 2015 at the Players Championship, he goes six under on his last six holes and wins the playoff. It was that stretch he had was unreal. He goes four birdies, eagle, last six, forces the playoff, wins the playoff. Everyone's like, Ricky Fowler's here to stay. Not so much. But <laughs> that still was unreal, that little stretch. Because the players is, players is, it is the fifth major. No, John Deere Classic, fifth major. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, Traveler's, uh, Traveler's Championship. <laughs> also, the R- Ryder Cup this year this year was... President's, President's Cup. Cup, sorry. Unreal comeback by the yeah. U.S. on the last day. And Tiger Woods goes 3-0-0 as a playing captain. Best player on the court. Right, right in the Tiger was back two weeks, baby. So back. Tory Pines, he cooks that course. Cooks. 83. <laughs> 59 watch on. <laughs> Four days, 59. That's all I got. Yeah, I, I was just trying to go back in the memory bank and nothing I got one more. Else, really, yeah. Um, This was 2010 World Cup, USA versus um, Algeria. You get that Landon Donovan scoring in extra time to send them to the uh, the round of sixteen, mm. pretty unreal. I know not everyone here is a big football. What was the, the they play? They beat England, right, in the World Cup. They the, drew the, England. Or the, yeah, because their goalie, their hit, goalie when they hit him in the hands yeah, it was and like, like a, went through. It was through. basically an own goal. Yeah. yeah, that was a good. Moment. And then you know they just missed the World Cup too. So yeah, yeah they did. That was a, that was a sad moment. I actually cried when they missed the World Cup. John was so mad when that happened. You actually cried. You yeah. like soccer? I I really like world soccer. Oh. 
How about Serena coming back after the baby, winning another oh, major? Yeah. It's That's a dope-ass moment. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of Olympic stuff that we probably like, like Simone Biles and whatnot, like, yeah, Wasn't the uh, John Isner like twenty? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Seventy six final tiebreaker. That guy's. Yeah. That guy's. Oh, I that's that sets like just the stuff of legend. Yeah, they changed the rules because of that. What's her name? Uh, there's like a really young U.S. ten. Yeah, she made it to like the quarterfinals or semifinals of the yeah. Wimbledon. That was at, like recent. sixteen. That was recently. Yeah. yeah, she's fifteen. Yeah, unreal. She's she's gonna cook. Gonna cook forever. Like an idea. And that started because of Serena and Venus. Penny. Like Tiger Woods. All these guys now yep. were from Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to get to play against yeah. them now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think we've about covered it, boys. Great decade. Hopefully. Uh, and the U- Oh, <clears throat> last one. Nick said the Olympics, but that shootout USA oh. had. TJ Oshie. TJ Oshie. That was Unreal. so good. I mean, if we're going to go there, then you got to go to Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Game, game hey, but what about Canada. the USA tying it up in the Zach third with like, with like 20 seconds left or whatever yep. it was? That was unreal, too. Yeah. And then Team North America, this last one, beating Sweden. Yeah. All the young kids. Communist Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, take your gonna have beliefs out of mouth. Can't have that. <laughs> Miller scene. Let's go, Butler. Hawks! Let's go! Ryan, check it out. Alright, so thank you everyone for tuning in. It's another edition of the Off Air Mouth and Off Sports Podcast. Here, hosted Dan Sadik alongside Jonathan Sullivan, Ryan Brown, Zachary Lacey, and a special guest uh, notes from Nick Brown. Uh, We'll catch you next time, hopefully, dropping this uh, within the next day or two. And then tomorrow, or next week rather, we'll have hopefully another one out. So be sure to stay tuned, and we'll see ya. The rich mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads, take me home to the place. in my Yesterday